We're entering into our missions uh, conference, which I guess you could say officially will be the next two Sundays and uh, the week in between. But at the same time, I want us today to focus upon the theme of our conference, which is increasing our faith in missions. And I want to ask you this question before I read the scripture. What are the things in your Christian life that have helped your faith increase the most? Just think to yourself, what are the things in your Christian life that have helped your faith increase the most? I want you to ponder that for a moment as I read the scripture. We are in Philippians 1 and beginning with the third verse. This is the Apostle Paul. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And then in chapter 4, beginning with the 10th verse, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you've been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I've received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied uh, now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We are grateful for that great call, that commission, 
where you called us to be a part of sharing the gospel, of making disciples of every nation. It's impossible for us to do. And yet, you've seen fit to use us. And in so doing, Lord, we pray that you would increase our faith, that you would grow us as your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what things... I originally wrote down the question, what thing or what one thing has helped you the most? And I thought, well, I I couldn't even answer that. I would have to waffle on that. I would have to say some of trials that I've been through have increased my faith. The heart attack definitely increased my faith. I'd have to say also that... uh, Getting up in the pulpit every Sunday for more than 28 years now and preparing for that and preparing for teaching that I have done through many books of the Bible, certainly that's increased my faith. I'd have to say that being married to Connie for going on 33 years, And seeing modeled in front of me every single day, someone who is Christ-like, that has increased my faith. And yet, I would absolutely say that one of the factors that has most increased my faith has been my involvement in global missions. And today I want to share that with you partially from the Word of God, partially from my own experience by way of testimony. And I've broken it down into three areas, pretty simple. The first way God has increased my faith is through partnering with missionaries. Now, I'm going to define partnering uh, here with the Scripture But you have heard me say this before, and many who uh, talk about global missions uh, would say this. Because of the Great Commission and the Scripture that we've just read, our options when it comes to global missions are to obey and go. We pray that He will call some of you to go. And He has from our church. What a privilege it is to be a sending church. So we can obey and go, or we can disobey and don't go. That's an option. It's our responsibility, but God won't force you to obey. Or we can obey and partner with one who goes. And that's what we see in this passage in Philippians 1 talks about a partnership, verse 4. He says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
Notice he doesn't say, you all need to get up and, and get going. But he says, you have a partnership. What, what I'm doing, you are doing. And that word that's uh, translated in the New International Version, partnership, is the word koinonia. Now, when we hear that phrase, and here in our church we have our K groups, koinonia groups, we think of fellowship. And that's a good translation. But I think this also is a good translation in this context. It's saying that uh, these folks fellowshiped with Paul. They partnered with him so that whatever God did through him, when they partnered with him, they were very much a part of that. There was a koinonia involved. Um, often we focus on that fellowship between God and His people. Now, I will tell you that I try not to have many living heroes. Well, other than Clint Eastwood. But beyond Clint Eastwood, because and here's why. He's in a different category. But here's why. Because if you have living heroes, what happens? A lot of times they tend to disappoint. At some point, they may do something that uh, is not so heroic. If they are deceased, that's no longer a problem. And so, most of my heroes are already deceased. But there is one exception in my mind, and that's our missionaries. As our children were growing up, we loved to have missionaries in our home for meals, to spend the night, to spend the weekend when they were with us at our church. And we told our children, these are our heroes. And it's not that they're perfect and not that they can't fall as well. They can, certainly. But here's how I'm defining heroes when it comes to missionaries. They are people that are willing to follow the call of God. And in following the call of God, sometimes that's not convenient. Often. Often it's hard on the family and extended family. Usually, it requires personal sacrifice, financial, health, relationship-wise, and on and on. And yet, they still follow the call of God. That, to me, is a hero. And we wanted our children exposed to people like that. Now, I don't know whether it made a difference in our family, but all four of our children have been on short-term trips, some medium-term trips, like for a whole summer. I remember when our daughter Rachel and her husband Seth 
called us. Uh, they had been invited and accepted an invitation to teach in Turkey the next school year. They're now in their third year there. And St. Andrew's is one of their supporting, partnering churches. I remember the morning they called and uh, said that they believed that uh, they would accept that. They had this exciting news. My very first thought when I heard it was, wow, two years, that's a long time. But then, immediately after that, I thought, this is what we've been praying for. We have prayed that our children would be willing to follow the call of God wherever it led them. For some, it will be leading them to places here in the United States. For them, it was leading them to Turkey. And so we were grateful. We were thankful for that. Rachel and Seth uh, have told us that whenever they would tell other people for the first time that they were going to Turkey, usually the first question was, well, what do your parents think on both sides? And they said they were so thankful to be able to say they're excited about it. You see, that's, that's the risk, I will tell you that. If you pray that your, your children will heroically follow the call of God wherever He calls them. It's a big world. And yet, that's what the call is for some. And you know what? It is heroic to stay put here in the United States as well when that's the call of God. It's not just about going. But when you hang out with uh, people like missionaries, it will increase your own faith. I encourage you at every opportunity to do that. Just be around them. That's one reason Connie and I were happy to become pastoral associates. Uh, We were recruited by Mission to the World uh, some years back now. And they trained us to be uh, pastoral associates. And what that means is that... uh, Uh, We are, I am the pastor to a particular field. We were called to go to England. I know, when I say that, people go, oh yeah, (laughs) tough calling, isn't it? Well, we go not to see the country, but to see the people there. We haven't seen all that much of England, actually. But it's such a privilege for us to be in their homes to visit with them, to talk about what God is doing in their ministry and those places of discouragement as well. And you can imagine the, uh, the reason they, they want a husband-wife team. The ladies love to get with Connie. But it has increased our faith, just spending time, real time, with those who have followed the call of God. That partnering is one way that your faith will increase. There's a second way. 
God has increased my faith through going on journeys. Now, I've had the privilege, if I counted right, of going to 11 countries, and I've preached or taught in most of those. Last year, nearly 100 from our congregation went out to Haiti, Ukraine, England, Gulfport, Lanyap, West Virginia. And I sincerely believe that anyone who went on, on uh, any of those trips, you could easily talk to them and they would tell you the same thing in terms of their faith increasing. I saw that again and again in my own children. Now, why is that? Well, from the fundraising it takes to go, to the travel, to the missionary opportunities when you get there, to the teaching that you sit under in other countries, to seeing how passionately others worship and sometimes how very different others worship. All over the world. And also, it's that getting outside of your comfort zone. You know, the unknown. And if you go on a journey, there is always the unknown. Even if it's a very well-planned trip, the key to going on a journey is flexibility. Because seldom does it turn out Uh, the schedule that you thought you were going to keep, does that turn out to be your schedule? Here are some of the things that I've learned and I've relearned every time I've gone, and these have increased my faith. I've learned and relearned that God is with me wherever I go in the world. I remember sitting in India one night, so far from my family, And I remember uh, I I was lonely for them. I I looked up at the moon. I thought, you know what? Maybe not right now, but they'll look up at that same moon. And the thing that brought us closer together was not the moon, but that God was with us both places. I've learned and relearned there are real believers in Christ wherever I've been. And those are people that I can learn from and grow from. Seeing the faith of people in other parts of the world, to me, is always encouraging. Because so often, they don't have all of the props that we do, the comforts that we do, the security that we have, and then to see their faith increases my own. And as I said, it's sometimes the unplanned, and there's always lots of that that has the greatest impact upon me. I think since I'm now in my third year here, I've been here long enough to tell you this story I'm about to tell you without you thinking that I've gone off the deep end or something. I was leaving Karachi, Pakistan, I was headed for India. Our missionary 
there in Karachi because of the danger. He had, he's been kidnapped and life-threatened many times. He was telling me this as we're riding around in a car in the middle of Karachi. And uh, because of the, the danger there, he doesn't even go by his real name. He goes by Jonah of Nineveh. So I'll call him Jonah. Well, because of dangers in that country and for security reasons, and this was several years back, uh, they, they don't allow nationals inside the, the airport unless they are flying somewhere. And so he had to drop me off outside and say, see ya. <laughs> and I hadn't done a whole lot of international travel at that point and really wasn't sure how to get through the airport. So I began to make my way through the security checkpoints. Went through one, went through a second one, and then a third checkpoint. I walked through the metal detector, and there was a man right in front of me that had on some kind of a uniform, and he looked at me, and he smiled at me, and now you need to understand nobody else in the whole airport had smiled at me. It, this, this isn't the south, you know, over in Karachi. Nobody had smiled and said, hey, how you doing? He smiled at me, and he said, Dale? I looked at him with my lost leave-it-to-beaver look, you know. And I said, yes. And he said, this way. I took a step that way, and I said, how would you know my name? He didn't answer me. He just smiled at me. And I figured I wasn't going to get an answer. And so I went that way. It took me right to my gate. I sat down at the gate for a few minutes, and then when we were uh, called to get on the plane, I was waiting in line, and I saw him again up at the front. He wasn't doing anything except standing there. And people were just walking walking by him. And when I got up to him, he had that smile again. And I said, back there, how did you know my name? He didn't answer me. He just smiled and did this, and I got on the plane. When I got on the plane, I just put my head back, and I thought, well... The Lord's taking care of me. But here's what I thought. Jonah knows a lot of people there in Karachi. And he had set it up. It was one of, one of his people from the church or somebody, some connection that he knows. And uh, he was there to make sure I got to the right place. And I was thankful for that. I went on to India, went home. The first chance I had, I contacted Jonah. And I said, Jonah, 
Do you have somebody working at the airport? He said, no. I said, do you know anybody? Did you put somebody? I told him the story. And he said, no, I had nothing to do with that. Jonah and I are convinced that I had an encounter with an angel. And it increased my faith. God is with us wherever we go. And I wonder if I would have experienced that had I not been in that place at that time. It was such a faith builder for me. I've had numerous situations that I didn't know how they would turn out, but I always had a sense, I've always had a sense that God has taken care of me. And that's a comfort. The third area where God has grown my faith and increased my faith is through giving. Now, that's another way to partner. Pastor Kelly mentioned the seven-day devotional. When you leave here, you will receive that. And I really want to encourage you to prayerfully read that every day this next week. Read one of the days each day. It will grow your faith. And do so before the Lord with an open heart, seeing what he wants to teach you. We are going into faith mission giving, and I've served two churches that have had it. And here's how my faith has grown from taking part in faith mission giving. First of all, seeing how God has provided for us to be able to give. I have, uh, as faith mission giving, or as that booklet says, faith promise giving, it's the same thing. My wife and I have committed money to that by faith, not knowing where that money would come from the next year. And God has never failed to provide it for me. He has never failed to provide it. And that has increased my faith. Further, uh, hearing how God has provided for others. We will begin hearing stories from one another of how God is providing for faith mission giving as we enter into this. And it will increase all of our faith. Some of them will be Creative ways that God has prompted someone to uh, make and give more money. Some of it will be ways he has provided that it was completely unexpected. Some will be uh, miraculous. And it will increase our faith as we enter into this and take part in it. But it's also increased my faith knowing that I've been able to partner. In other words, wherever we have sent missionaries through faith mission giving, we've had the privilege of having a part in that. In Philippians 4, 15, this is how it talks about it that I read earlier. It involves financial support. Verse 15, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia 
Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. The Philippian believers had entered into a partnership with Paul through their material assistance. To them, the the koinonia was not just some kind of a warm, fuzzy feeling saying, yeah, we got fellowship with Paul. It was real. It was tangible to the point where they took part in a very real way with his ministry. They recognized they had a, a missionary responsibility to those cities beyond their own. Of course they had responsibility in their own city. But they saw beyond themselves and to other cities. And they knew that one major way they could fulfill that responsibility was by partnering with him financially. He saw that so much of a partnership that he, whatever reward he would receive, they would have a part in it. That's what he's saying there. Verse 17, he says, Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. So much partners that he was uh, saying there'll be a return on their investment. And then in verse 18, it enabled the ministry to continue. The first part of 18 I've received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied uh, now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you've sent. Basically, he was saying, I'm able to continue on because of what you were doing there. And then the last part of 18, he said it entailed an act of worship, something we always should be growing in. He said they're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. That's partnership. But there's something else, and that is, and here's where the growing faith comes. It required trust in God. Verse 19, and my God, Paul said, will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And here, this is where, what comes down to the question, do we really believe that? Do we really think that beyond our tithe every week, that God can provide? Well, it comes down to the question of whether we think He really has glorious riches. And if we do, the question is, how could we not know that He is the provider? Paul, about the Macedonian church in 2 Corinthians 8, Verse 3 said, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. You see, that's, that's it. That's, that's the next step. You give what you're able. You give your tithe. And then beyond your ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Now, realistically, there's a lot of reasons People give for not giving to global missions. One of the current reasons may be, well, 
It's the economy. How can we, in this economy, talk about going beyond a tithe? It's a matter of trust. It's a matter of faith. That's what it's going to come down to. A bad economy does not give us reason to disobey God and pull back from the call to global missions. In fact, in a world the way it is, an unstable economy, post 9-11, we must not cut back on our mission giving. We must increase it of the opportunity for the gospel in, in this kind of a world situation. The opportunities are so great as the anchors that so many people have been hanging on to for so long are just gone, some of them. And we can show them the only real anchor is Christ. In Cambridge, over in England, I've seen a William Carey chapel. Now, William Carey has been called the father of modern missions. He went to India in 1793. At that time, there were no organized missionary societies or anything like that. This was a a novel concept, and he was uh, uh, there being commissioned, he and his colleague, And one of Carrie's friends said this, There's a gold mine in India, but it seems almost as deep as the center of the earth. To which Carrie replied, I will venture down, but remember, you must hold the ropes. See, that's what we've been called to do. As your pastor, I'm always interested in your faith growing. Your faith will grow as you partner, as you hold the ropes for those who go. But you may say, but my strength to hold the ropes, my faith that God will provide, it's so small. Well, picture... Picture a little child holding the rope and, and because of the child's strength is small, the rope begins to slip. And what do we do as the adult? We go behind and grab their hands or grab the rope with them. You see, that's where our faith increases. It's not our own strength to hold the rope It is Christ in us, by His grace, who increases our faith so that, yes, we can hold the ropes. May God grow our faith through global missions. Let's bow together.